in the book of Hebrews chapter 9. Starting in verse 11, reading through the end of the chapter. So Christ has now become the high priest over all the good things that have come. He has entered the greater, more perfect tabernacle in heaven, which was not made by human hands and is not part of this created world. With his own blood, not the blood of goats and calves, he entered the most holy place once for all time and secured our redemption forever. Under the old system, the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer could cleanse people's bodies from ceremonial impurity. Just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify our consciences from sinful deeds so that we can worship the living God. For by the power of the eternal spirit, Christ offered himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. That is why he is the one who mediates a new covenant between God and people so that all who are called can receive the eternal inheritance God has promised them. For Christ died to set them free from the penalty of the sins they had committed under that first covenant. Now, when someone leaves a will, it is necessary to prove that the person who made it is dead. The will goes into effect only after the person's death. While the person who made it is still alive, the will cannot be put into effect. This is why even the first covenant was put into effect with the blood of an animal. So after Moses had read each of God's commandments to all the people, he took the blood of calves and goats along with water and sprinkled both the, uh, the book of God's law and all the people using hyssop branches and scarlet wool. Then he said, this blood confirms the covenant God has made with you. And in the same way, he sprinkled blood on the tabernacle and on everything used for worship. In fact, according to the law of Moses, nearly everything was purified with blood. For without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. That is why the tabernacle and everything in it, which were copies of things in heaven, had to be purified by the blood of animals. But the real things in heaven had to be purified with far better sacrifices than the blood of animals. For Christ did not enter into a holy place made with human hands, which was only a copy of the, one, of the true one in heaven. He entered into heaven itself to appear now before God on our behalf. And he did not enter heaven to offer himself again and again, like the high priest here on earth who enters the most holy place year after year with the blood of an animal. If that had been necessary, Christ would have had to die again and again, ever since the world began. But now, once for all time, he has appeared at the end of the age to remove sin by his own death as a sacrifice. And just as each person is destined to die once, and after that comes judgment, so also Christ was offered once for all time as a sacrifice to take away the sins of many people. He will come again, not to deal with our sins, but to bring salvation to all who are eagerly waiting for him. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for this beautiful day you've given us. We thank you for an opportunity to recognize all of our mothers. Lord, we ask that you would come and, and be a part of this celebration, be a part of this, uh, this worship for you. Lord, be a part of this service. Lord, we ask that you would make yourself the central figure of this. Even as we are here to celebrate our mothers, it is you who has blessed us with them. So, Lord, we ask that you would be uh, the, the focus of our minds and of our hearts this morning. 
Lord, we ask that you would change our hearts within us this morning, that we would just want to live for you and worship you in all we say and do. Lord, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a couple more announcements that I need to give to you that I believe would be of help. The first one is this. As you can tell, we are refurbishing the restrooms outside the sanctuary. Once they were done in a couple more weeks, they'll be finished. They're all going to be brand new in there, and you're really going to enjoy them. But with that being said, the lavatories that you need to use are down near the fellowship hall. So just follow the arrows for restrooms. The second one is this is that there are two tables that are located down the ramp near the fellowship hall. They are loaded with gifts. Well, it's really stuff that's come out of the kitchen that they don't use anymore. But dads, if you have forgotten, (laughs) this is a great place to stop and pick up something. But really, uh, they're there for you if you would like to peruse those and uh, take something from that, that's fine. If they're not all gone by today, then the rest of the stuff will be taken to the goodwill and used for there. Also, ladies, all ladies of the church, at the end of the service as we leave the sanctuary, we have a gift for you. So please don't uh, rush out without getting a gift that's been provided by the church. The deaconesses have done well to get a gift for all of our ladies. Well, dear people, we find ourselves once again in the study of this glorious book of Hebrews. Specifically, finishing of chapter 9. We only got through the first 11 verses last week, and I felt like I was walking around with an untied shoe. It just didn't seem to fit right. Something hasn't been finished. And so this morning, Lord willing, we will finish chapter 9 of the book of Hebrews. As we have already seen from our study, under the law... No one could never or ever be sure of total forgiveness of their sins. It wasn't that the priests were unfaithful in their ministry, because we are told in the text that they would do this over and over again and again to repeat the sacrificial system that was established by Moses, directed by God. But the problem was, as we have already seen, is that what the Old Covenant could not do is it could not ease the conscience. It couldn't wipe the conscience clean. And so the people would come away, even offering of the sacrifice, and they wondered, was it good enough? Was I good enough? Did I bring my best? And so as they reached the point of where something else had to be done, someone else had to come in order that their consciousness and also their lives could be totally purified. 
And verse 11 tells us who that person was. In fact, the, the opening statement of verse 11 is so dynamic that it says, but Jesus. Let me put it in street vernacular if I can. Jesus showed up. He came for the purpose of shedding of his blood in order that the sins of mankind could be forgiven. So this morning what we want to do, what we need to do, is describe for you three wonderful phrases that highlight just how majestic, just how superior the sacrifice of Jesus Christ is in order to offer to who would, always, who would ever believe this wonder of being forgiven. Just three phrases, that's all. That doesn't mean it's going to be a short sermon, by the way. But just three phrases. The first phrase is this. Christ entered heaven itself. Christ entered heaven itself. As we look at verse 11 in chapter 9, it says, But Christ has appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come in the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands. Verse 12 he entered the most holy place. Christ entered. He went by him. He entered heaven itself. And if you saw as we were reading that passage, it wasn't anything that the high priest on earth could do. Theirs was a copy of that which was established in glory. Jesus didn't go through a copy, if you will, a tabernacle made by hands. No, he entered himself into the holy of holies in heaven. Well, you might be wondering, so what is so important about that? In fact, we can almost conjecture from the writing that the people that were the first recipients of this letter may have had that question on their mind. So what? What does that mean? Well, what's interesting about that phrase is it says, Jesus, the writer says, did not enter a holy place that had been made with human hands. This has been the experience of the priests in the early time, and particularly the high priests on the Day of Atonement. They went in essentially to a copy of the real thing. Yet Jesus appeared in heaven itself as a representative of a people who now enjoy through his work continuous and unrestricted access into the presence of God. It may not, it is not my desire to bring this to a trivial thing, but, but essentially what happened is this, is that Jesus Christ has entered back into the presence of his Father. You remember, where did Jesus come from? He came from the glory of heaven and came to this earth. Now the writer of Hebrews is saying he's gone home. He is back in the presence of his father in glory. And not only that, but in reality, going back there, he took with him the first fruits, if you will, 
of his work on this earth. That would be individuals that were there, individuals that would be coming, and finally, individuals at the end of the age. In other words, Jesus Christ entered into heaven with us. With us. I, I know that some, that literally blows my mind away because I can't get this finite mind around that. But in reality, in the vision of Jesus Christ, everyone who has trusted him as Savior is already there with him. We're experiencing life here and now, but I'm here to tell you, Jesus has already got you there. You're already there. And when Jesus entered into heaven, he literally turned to his father and says, these are all mine. These are all mine. That is something that the high priest could never say. In fact, the high priest he could only go into the holy, the most holy place only once a year. And he couldn't take anybody with him. In fact, I kind of wonder, would anybody want to go? That's a fearful place to walk into the presence of God. Once a year, we're told in scripture that the high priest would have to go into this holy place that is separated from the most holy place by this mammoth curtain. No one could go beyond that. But the high priest. And he had to go in there fearful. That's not a place that I want to go. I'm glad that I have a savior. That I don't have to be fearful of coming into the presence of God. Because he says to the father. He's mine. Christ went into heaven himself, into the very pristine, the very holy, the very sacred place, literally into the presence of his Father. And he did it for us, for us. What the old covenant could not do, Jesus did. The Second thing I wanted to share with you, as time is fleeting from us, and all God's people would say, oh, I'm good. <laughs> is that Christ offered himself. Christ offered himself. Now, notice, if you will, in verse 12 of chapter 9. He entered the most holy place once for all time, not by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood. Christ offered himself. If you look down at verse 14 of this same chapter, it says, How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself, there's our phrase, offered himself, to God. And then if you go over to verse 26, one more time, it's wonderfully repeated for us. Otherwise, it says, Jesus would have had to suffer many times since the foundation of the world, but now he has appeared one time at the end of the ages for the removal of sin 
by the sacrifice of himself. That phrase, by his own blood, is so significant. The high priests, as they would have to go into the whole most holy place, they could only go in once a year at a specific time known as the Day of Atonement. And as they went in, they took with them the blood of a sacrifice of an animal. Had to be a pure sheep, had to be first born, could not have any scratches, could not have any blemishes, had to be totally healthy. And with that blood, he would go in and first he would offer the blood for his own sins because he is a human. And then he had to offer that blood of a sacrificed lamb for the purpose of the sin, if you will, of the entire nation of Israel. And all of Israel standing outside wondering, is this guy going to come out or not? Because if he didn't come out, if the bells on the bottom of his robe stopped ringing, that meant that God was not satisfied. And because of that, the nation of Israel, they couldn't send someone else in there. No, they had a rope tied around this high priest's ankle and they just started hauling him out. And then the nation of Israel stands there and says, what now? What hope is there? He was supposed to go in. He was supposed to offer this blood so that it would at least atone for our sin. And, and he wasn't successful. What now? What hope do we have? We can't wait to next Sunday to come together. You can only go in there one time a year. What do we do now? But Jesus offered himself. He walked into the holy place of heaven by his blood. Did you catch that? Not with his blood, but by his blood. He as John described for us in John chapter 1, verse 29, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. That's what the people were looking for. That's what they longed for. They wanted to be able to know as a, as a question came into their mind, what do we do now? What hope do we have? Why doesn't God send somebody in order to ease my life? That I know that my sin is forgiven. What hope is there? And yet Jesus Christ entered in by his blood. His own blood. He willingly poured out for us. Yes, it was on the cross during a time of a hill called Golgotha. Jesus Christ died he was our sacrifice between two thieves and yet Jesus cried out his last words it is finished it's all done 
And as he entered into the holy place by his blood, he literally said to his father, Father, everything that you have given me to do, I have finished. And it's perfect. It's perfect. And those questions of the first century Christians who were thinking that maybe Maybe we just need to go back to all the bells and whistles of the ritual life that we're used to. At least we got something we can put our hands on. Maybe they were even being baffled and, if you will, buffeted by the Jewish people of that time, looking at them and saying, this new religion you have, you don't really have much of it, do you? And yet in reality, the writer of Hebrews is telling them, that this wonderful Savior, it's good that he has gone away from you because through his shed blood, he has been accepted into heaven whereby one day you will also be. I don't know if we can even get our minds around that truth. Life is going on for us. We have daily activities that we need to meet. And yet in reality, what God has provided for us goes beyond our time frame. I had the privilege this morning of even sharing that truth, that there is no more time in heaven. How do you time eternity? How do you even begin to understand that it'll never end? We're so used to seeing things end. Those of you that have watches, you're already, when's this guy going to get done? (laughs) But in eternity, there's no such thing as time. All the watches stay here. Can you imagine at that glorious day when the last trumpet blows, that's what we're told in 1 Corinthians 15 and in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, that when the trumpet blows, God's going to say, come up here. And all of our watches stay here. All of our glasses stay here. All of this metal I have in my hips and my knees, it stays here. And people are walking around and saying, what is this? Well, that's all stuff we don't need in heaven. Why? Because Jesus walked into the Holy of Holies by his blood. Oh, but we're not done there. We need to come to the last one. And all God's people would say. At least I'm glad you're you're a little silent on that. I would expect a little. Amen. It's done. But we need to consider the last point. And this may very well be one of the more important ones. You'll notice as verse 12 ends in chapter 9. Verse 12 says this. He entered the most holy place once for all time. Not by the blood of goats and calves. But by his own blood. Having obtained eternal redemption. This wonderful thing. Christ obtained eternal Redemption. I I don't know if you got that. Christ 
has obtained eternal redemption. To be redeemed is to set free by paying. Someone has to pay the price of ransom. In the Old Testament, it's the book of Hosea, where Hosea goes to the marketplace and he pays the price to ransom his wife, Gomer, off of the auction block from a slave. He purchases her so that he can take her home. What a beautiful picture of what Christ has done for us. He has paid the ransom for our sin. The big theological word is propitiation. As John describes that for us in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 1 and 2, where it says that Jesus Christ is a propitiation for our sins, not only our sins, but for the sins of the whole world. In other words, Jesus Christ and the shedding of his blood and going into the holy place by his own blood has satisfied the requirement of God's payment for sin. It's such a dynamic that in it, he obtains eternal redemption. I'm going to let you in on a biblical truth that you can grab onto and never let it go. It's this. When you, by simple faith, Believing in what Jesus Christ has done, you will never be lost. You are eternally redeemed. We sing a song well, don't we? Redeemed, redeemed. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. There it is, dear people. Redeemed. There it is. But understand this, dear people, is that we by nature, all oh, time is getting, we by nature are slaves to sin, but we are redeemed by the paying of a price, namely the shed blood of Jesus Christ, in order that we become slaves of somebody else. I need to have you to turn very quickly with me to Romans chapter 6. The Apostle Paul explains this wonderfully, very well, in, in, in Romans chapter 6. Just a little bit longer, if I may. Romans chapter 6, verse 15. We begin. For it says, What then? Should we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? Absolutely not. Don't you know that if you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of that one you obey, either of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. But thank God 
that although you used to be slaves of sin, you obeyed from the heart that pattern of teaching to which you were handed over. And having been set free from sin, you became enslaved to righteousness. We were once slaves of sin. We couldn't help it. We were born that way. Cooper, as wonderful as he is, though he doesn't understand what sin is, but he was born with a sin nature as all of us are. We are slaves to sin. No one has to tell Cooper, teach Cooper how to sin. He's got it. And so do we. We are slaves to sin. But when Jesus Christ entered the Holy of Holies in glory by his blood, whereby he has obtained eternal redemption, now we can become slaves of righteousness. That doesn't mean we're going to be perfect. No, not at all. But what it literally means is this is that through Jesus Christ, we can look sin right in the face and say, I'm not doing that. That will not glorify my Savior. I am not doing that. I belong to somebody else. And his name is Jesus. Oh, dear people, grab this, clutch onto this this morning if you may. Understand this, dearly beloved, that Jesus didn't redeem us so that we could just go on our own merry way and do our own thing. He saved us for a purpose, and that purpose is to honor him, to glorify him. In everything that we say and do, are we going to be daily successful in that? No. Even the Apostle Paul understood that. Because in chapter 7 of Romans, he says, I am a man of undone. That which I know I should be doing, I don't do. That which I don't want to do, I find myself doing. Who is going to separate me from this sin? And then chapter 8, verse 1, for there is now no condemnation. Who are those in Christ Jesus? Christ has obtained eternal redemption. And that is such a precious thing. But I need to close. Time is not my, my friend. But I do need to close with this. Look at verse 28 of Hebrews chapter 9. It says, For the law appoints as high priest... Oh, wrong verse, sorry. So also Christ, having been offered since once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. Jesus Christ is going to reappear. Now, it's interesting is that when Jesus Christ comes the next time, it's not for the purpose of dying again for sin. 
is for the purpose of rescuing us on this earth. And with that, when Jesus comes, things happen. There was a lady who would go to a well, and she had been there a ton of times. It was always the same routine, but it was different the day that Jesus came. There's Zacchaeus. As we're told in Scripture, a parade was beginning. And he thought, what better advantage is there that we would climb this sycamore tree so that I could have a prime seat to see this one named Jesus. But things changed in his life because Jesus came. Blind Bartimaeus, seated on the road day after day, begging for sustenance of life until one day Jesus came. Saul, who later became the Apostle Paul, was on his way to Damascus with law written to capture and to bring back people of the way in order that they could be killed. And life was going good until Jesus came. How about you? Has Jesus come to you? I'm not asking if you've been feeling religious over a period of time. I'm, I'm not interested if you've been confirmed. And I don't know if maybe you're thinking that you've just drifted into the kingdom. But what I am asking is this. Can you look to a point of time in your life when Jesus came? You see... What's the significance of all this? Well, Christ entered heaven itself by the offering of himself in order to redeem for himself a people who would believe. That, dear people, as the O hymn of an old Scottish, stanza of an old Scottish hymn would say, when Jesus comes, the tempter's power is broken. When Jesus comes, our sins are washed away. He takes our needs and fills our lives with glory. For all is changed when Jesus comes to stay. And the believer looks at this and says, All of this for me? And we're like the Apostle Paul who writes for us when he says, he loved me and gave himself for me. Oh, what a wonderful, wonderful story.
unparalleled by any of the religions of our world. This is only what Christ can do. For he'll change the deepest, darkest heart and make it all brand new. Can we pray together? Glorious Lord, we recognize and we've come to wrestle with the truth that that which is impossible with man, we're told nothing is impossible with you. So Lord God, thank you that we have a faithful high priest who entered into heaven itself and he went in by his own blood so that we might have eternal redemption. We thank you and praise you in that truth. Amen.